Black Lady. I only saw it once, but for me though, that one time was enough for me to know that this entity is the harbinger of impending death. I was a fifth grader in QE school at that time, 2008. We always changed classrooms in every subject, so when it was time for our MAPE, music, arts, physical education, and health class, I decided to sit at the very front row because it was a subject I was kind of interested in. Right when I sat down, I noticed I was directly facing an empty doorway. The classroom we were in was a detached single-story building that supposedly consists of two classrooms, but the other room was converted into a storehouse, holding some of the better art projects from students in the school. Maybe for convenience, an interior doorway or opening, a doorway without a door, was installed in the wall between the two rooms just beside the huge chalkboard. It was halfway through the class when I started to feel uncomfortable. My whole body just felt so heavy. It was as though something was pushing down on my shoulders. At that time, I didn't really feel troubled about it, so I just brushed it off, telling myself that maybe I was just tired. Mape was the last subject we had for the whole morning, and we would have an hour break for lunch after. So I thought to myself then that I was going to go home after class and rest or sleep half an hour after having lunch. I checked my temperature alternately moving the back of my hand, pressing it on my neck and on my forehead. But the temperature was normal, nothing out of the ordinary. But after that, the discomfort became worse. I also began to feel nauseous. I started to think that maybe I ate something during recess that had gone off. So when the teacher started telling instructions for our next project and started writing a lot of things on the board, despite my discomfort, I also started taking notes. As my head kept looking up at the board then down at my notebook, my eyes would inadvertently pass by that empty doorway. Even though I was seriously taking down notes at the time, I still caught sight of something. I stopped moving immediately. I stared down at my notes, doubting myself for what I saw. I even said to myself that I was still too young to start going insane, but curiosity really did kill the cat. When I tried to look up towards the board again, I couldn't help looking directly at that empty doorway. I had previously thought I'd seen something dark in my peripheral vision. I never expected to see a woman dressed in black, with no feet and no face, floating by the doorway on the other side of the classroom. I was paralyzed in fear, thinking that if I moved even a little bit, I might catch the attention of that thing. My classmate, who was seated right beside me, started to cry. I realized she was also looking the same direction as I was. The teacher immediately noticed and was about to reprimand her, but one of our classmates at the back row shouted that he had seen a black shadow pass by that doorway. After that one shout, it became a series of affirmations from others who also claimed that they saw it too. With that, our teacher decided to stop her lessons and begin telling us the rumored hauntings of the storeroom. She had a lot of stories to tell, and when the topic eventually shifted to the one we saw, she said there weren't any rumors about a black shadow. I think she thought that would maybe set us at ease. It didn't. When the class ended, I noticed that the nausea and heaviness I felt before were gone. I went home for lunch, then told my parents what happened in class. They told me to be careful, because seeing something like that is a bad omen. I asked them why, and they said that someone is very likely going to die in that place three days from now. I shivered listening to that. Three days later, I ended up going to school very early for some reason. Although there weren't very many people there yet, 
there were enough for me to notice there was something strange going on. I saw people drifting over to one particular part of the campus, so I followed, and I saw both teachers and students gathered on this one-lane road staring down at the concrete. I went over to them to take a look and was terrified at what I saw. And then I remembered what my parents said. What I saw were some teachers holding cleaning materials in their hands. I and a few other fellow students helped to pour water to wash away the bloodstains on the ground. I noticed that it wasn't the only place that was stained with blood. There were other areas too. Some trees were stained a little, and even the classroom porch of our English teacher was not spared. But the one thing that really scared me most was the bloodied concrete on the small pathway which was directly facing the classroom where we saw the black lady. They say that is where the body of the victim was found. I don't have many details about what happened. All I know is that a neighborhood woman was having an affair. Her husband came home from work early and discovered it, and he shot not only her lover, but her too. She ran, but she only ever made it as far as our school. The Tall Man I was such a bookworm when I was still in high school. I spent my days during summer break reading in the downstairs living room of the boarding house. I was usually alone during daytime because the adults, my mom and our housemates, were at work. Most of the time when I was alone, I would hear footsteps upstairs. The footsteps were sometimes light, like someone was very careful not to make noise. But other times they were heavy, like someone was angry and stomping on the wooden floors. Most of the time, though, they sounded like someone was dragging their feet across the floor. I was so engrossed with my reading that I thought the house was settling or it was just some huge rats, and that house had a few huge rats scurrying upstairs. So I just didn't think too much of it and went on with my life. My bed was right under the window. The window has wooden slats, which I pushed to close. The window that was directly near my head was broken, so I needed to prop an empty cola bottle at the bottom to keep it closed. I was a bit lazy, though, so some nights I would forget to close the window. And those nights when the window was open, I always had nightmares of a very tall, shadowy man who would lean from outside and into my window and beckon me. He had long arms and long legs and no face. Now, you might say this description sounds exactly like the Slender Man, but at the time I had never heard of the Slender Man, and the Slender Man is not real. This, though, this was real. Again, I just went on with my life. I studied hard late into the night and ignored the noises and bumps when I was the only one awake. I tried my best to ignore the nightmares, praying hard when the tall man visited my sleep, and by morning, I just moved on. I didn't dwell on those things, thinking they were just products of an active imagination. Now, 20 years later, my memories of that house are mostly bittersweet, because I spent my teenage years there when we were struggling financially. I did not associate that house with the supernatural, nor did I remember it with any fear. However, a few weeks ago, one of our former housemates found me on Facebook and connected with me. We chatted for a while, the usual kumistan, catching up, and reminiscing about the old house. Out of the blue, she said, I hate that house. I always hear footsteps when I'm alone, even during the day. I never got a proper sleep, and I always had nightmares of a tall Anino peeking through my window. Anino is Filipino for shadow. Okay, then. I didn't know what to think when she said that. I quickly told her about my experiences, and she was shocked. Only my mom knew about the nightmares I had, and I asked if she'd ever mentioned it to anyone else, and she said no. I believed her because my mom is not the type to share these things. 
Was the tall, shadowy man real and not just a figment of my overactive imagination? Were the footsteps paranormal? If they were, I'm actually amazed at how I behaved when I experienced those things. I mean, I basically ignored them. Possession. This is a story I witnessed when I was 19 years old. It is about my aunt, who was pregnant at the time back in 2013. She was and still is a very religious person and used to visit numerous temples before marriage. Upon getting married and being six months pregnant, she could no longer manage on her own and used to wait for her husband to get back in the evening before she would visit the temple. One fateful evening, while her husband was out of town for four days, she decided to visit a nearby temple on her own in the evening, having missed it for two consecutive days due to her husband's absence. As usual, she gathered all the materials as offering, coconut, flowers, so on, and stepped out of her place about 7 p.m. or so. She made it to the temple and returned after a couple hours. However, immediately after she came home, she developed high fever. Her mother-in-law, who has arthritis, was home and made a few calls to the doctor and also my dad for help because we were very close to them. The doctor visited and gave her some kind of medication, dismissing it as viral fever. However, about 7 p.m. every evening after that, she kept developing this high fever. Her husband, who had returned from out of town by this point, was worried about her, and of course also about the unborn child. He consulted with many doctors who couldn't diagnose anything specific. We didn't understand what was happening until one fine afternoon when I was visiting my aunt with my parents. She was bedridden by this point, and the house felt terrible. Her face was just drained of any light it had once had. Still, we stayed. My mom and her mother-in-law prepared a nice vegetarian meal for all of us, and we sat down to eat. A plate of food was placed on the bedside table for my aunt, and that's when the most unbelievable thing happened. My aunt flung that plate with all the food on it right back at us, speaking in a voice none of us had ever heard, demanding non-vegetarian food. We were shocked. She had been vegetarian her entire life. It was at this point her mother-in-law took us aside and said she finally understood what the problem was. She believed her daughter-in-law was possessed. I'd always had these kind of things at the back of my mind, having experienced and heard about little paranormal things, but this was like nothing I'd ever seen. But I can still remember her screaming in that angry, alien voice. Her mother-in-law asked us to take her to a priest who she believed in. However, it turned out to be a challenge since my aunt would not stop abusing and cursing everyone for even touching her. She must have tackled something like four fully grown men and just exhausted them by trying to get away. That is a sight you can never unsee. Finally, we asked the priest to make a house call. He saw the state my aunt was in and winced. He placed a hand on her head while she hissed and continued swearing. He asked her who she was and what she wanted. After opposing for a few minutes, she said she was a pregnant woman who used to visit that same temple every evening. One night, she was hit by a car right outside the temple, killing both her and her unborn child. She said that in a week's time, she fully intended to take my aunt's child for herself. We were all terrified and had no clue what to do. The priest, on the other hand, was calm and still had his palm on her head. All he did was tell her that what happened with her was very sad and she would never be free if she brought harm to anyone else's child. 
He chanted a few mantras and ordered her to leave my aunt alone. He chanted some more mantras, now bringing his hand on her forehead and whispering something in her ear. It looked as though my aunt was going through some unbearable pain. After a few moments, she started sobbing profusely and fainted. As she fainted, we could feel a gust of wind pass through us and out the door. The priest advised that she was now free, and we did not have to worry anymore. My aunt's husband asked him about his fees, but the priest declined, and instead asked only for a favor. He gave us a name, and asked if it could be included among the child's names when it was born. The next morning, my aunt woke up with a color back in her cheeks, and two and a half months later, she delivered a healthy baby boy. The name, which I've been asked not to give, was included among the child's, and everything has been fine since then.